From the pages of the Salt Lake Tribune, straight to your earphones, this is Tribune Sports Radio. Please hang up and try again. It's pretty robust. Hey, welcome to the podcast uh, from the seventh floor of the Salt Lake Tribune offices. This is Tribune Sports Radio. I'm your host, Benny Raskin, and today we're doing a one-on-one with the digital sports editor. It's digital sports editor, digital editor. Digital, digital editor for everything. Digital editor for yeah. everything. All things good here at the Salt Lake Tribune is Mr. Kevin Winter Morris. Kamo, how are you doing? I'm good, Benny. How are you, buddy? I'm good. So we um, we tried to get some of the big guns here at the Salt Lake Tribune. Uh, Mr. Mr. Kyle Goon. On assignment. Mr. Matthew Piper. Washing his jammies. <laughs> Mr. Aaron Falk. Uh, I don't know what he's doing. And Mr. Tony Jones. Tony Jones had to play dad is, was what he claimed. And the last of the roll call, Mr. Christopher Camerani. You know, I still don't buy his excuse. Um, <laughs> his He claimed that he was going to be at AutoZone all afternoon. Um, you, Well, I actually offered for you to go pick him up. Um, I would have been happy to. I, I know. I don't know why he would have preferred sitting at AutoZone all afternoon to coming here, but apparently that was... Presumably it's because he's doing such amazing work with the Real Salt Lake coverage and Salt Lake City that he's totally taking these brief moments while bead breakers are repairing tires on his car or new right. head gaskets are being installed to uh, look in on uh, Kaiser and the boys. He's probably get, let's be honest, he's probably getting a set of rims. Yeah. You know? <laughs> hey, Chris drives a, a little Subaru. I'm sure that that's what he's doing. Oh, uh, not with NOS injection. Hey, so uh, yesterday... I didn't have a chance to go, and then you, unfortunately, had to leave at halftime, but you got to see LeBron yeah. James plays. Uh, just general thoughts about the game, and was that the first time you've seen him play? No, I, I saw him, uh, I went over two years ago when he was here, um, when he was with the Heat, and I went, and it, um, after the game, I interviewed him and everything. And So yesterday wasn't the first time I saw him play. I, you know, it, it's one of the things that I love to do is I love to try to see um, the best athlete um, in their sport uh-huh. when, when they are the best. Um, so I'd seen LeBron. Um, I saw Michael Jordan when uh, when he was with the Bulls when uh. they were winning the champion uh, the the last three championships. I've seen Tiger Woods play golf. Um, when it comes to hockey, there's some debate. You know, I've have you seen Patrick Waugh between I, the posts? I, I have. I've seen Patrick Waugh. I've seen Martin Brodeur. Um, in baseball, I saw Roger Clemens pitch. I, I saw Barry Bonds play. Uh, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa. Tony Gwynn, Tony uh, Gwynn, Tony uh, Gwynn. I did see, I, I did see Tony Gwynn. Um, and, and so uh, football, um, I saw Joe Montana play. Oh, I wow. saw Elway. I saw Barry Sanders. Um, one of the coolest things I ever saw at a football game, um, it was actually the Lions at the Bills. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a run. If you look it up on YouTube, you can probably find it. Barry Sanders runs one way, and it looks like he's tackled. We were up high, and so, you know, everyone's cheering, woo, stop for a law, stop for a law. Everyone's cheering. Yeah. All of a sudden, you notice, wait, why is that little dude in number 20 in the Lions running the <laughs> other way? And he got this big gain. It, he had almost mm. bent over backwards and, like, squirted out of tackles. It was it was, it was vintage uh, Barry, Barry Sanders. Sanders. Yeah. And he, he comes out. So, um, yeah, I, I – 
for me, it's really cool. So yesterday, being able to go and to see LeBron again, it, it was cool to see that and to, to try to experience that and, and, and to really see how much better is he than everybody else. Um, last night, he didn't look like he like he was playing against, you know, middle schoolers. Well, what the thing is, the, the, I guess, stuff that we've read in the paper, obviously, uh, that Tony wrote is that uh, it's LeBron's undis- uh, undisputably is still the best player in yeah. the NBA, but it might have, him moving to um, Cleveland, it might have been not have been the best uh, decision, you know, and then by all accounts, Chris Bosh, without having LeBron kind of breathing down his neck the entire time, is really shining down Miami, mm-hmm. you know, and so I, it's always wondering, it's like, is it enough just to have the best player, or is it really you need to have the two best players in the game and then the supporting cast of four guys, you know, three plus one off the bench that can really do it? Yeah, I think, you know, I think in the NBA, if you have, if you have the best player and a couple of decent guys around you, I think you're going to be fine. The season is so young. I mean, LeBron is still trying to figure out how to play with Kevin Love. He's still mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to play with Kyrie Irving. Um, Deion Waiters is on that team. He's, I mean, he's no slouch. Um, there's talent there. They just haven't learned how to play together yet. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think that I, I, and, and when you watch LeBron, and, and this is something going back to having seen all those guys um, play their sports and, and be the best at what they are, um, it, you expect, because they are so good, I, I kind of expect them to just always be putting on a show. The first time I saw Michael Jordan um, that it was when Pippen and Rodman were also there. Okay. Um, Rodman was suspended and Pippen was hurt, so it was just Jordan. He scored twenty points and didn't dunk in the game. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "What is this? This is horrible!" <laughs> it because I, I almost felt cheated because he was he was the best at that time, and I wanted to see, I wanted to see the best for the full forty eight minutes. But but that isn't how it works. I mean, and, and so watching LeBron last night, you're like. Come on, man. Every time down the floor, I want to see LeBron James just take someone to school and dunk on their face. Mm. That, that's what you want to see. But that isn't, that isn't how it works. And, and especially in like with, with the sports center culture now, you're so used to seeing just the highlights that even a game like last night, um, which was really exciting, and uh, Gordon wins it at the buzzer, and, and, and that, that was great. But even that, is only going to get tops maybe four or five minutes on ESPN, and so during the course of the entire night's coverage of this, and maybe, right. and maybe you know, I was I was watching it at the, the club and stuff like that. And the biggest concern I had was like, was it uh, Gordon Haywood winning with the game-winning shot, or was it LeBron, you know, not letting, not finishing the way that we expect him to? Right. So is it the Jazz got lucky, or was the Cavs just got lazy? And, right. Well, and 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 you realize that. Yeah, at, at clutch time, at the end, LeBron did score a, bu- a bunch of points. Like, he he went off and got that game close, and that's that specialness. That's yeah, the yeah. part where you're like, man, that's why that guy's the best at the game. Because when he wants to, and, and, and I don't think it's always a, there are other factors. It isn't just, oh, I'm going to take over the game now, mm. but he can and when he does, that's when it's really special. It's it's when you see those guys that when you see Tiger Woods, when you see um, Roger Clemens, when you see Patrick Waugh, when you see Martin Grove, when you see Madison Bumgarner this exa- year, yeah, yeah. Exactly. like definitely this year for Madison. When you see them pl- reach that level where they essentially are unstoppable, that's special. But it doesn't happen every time, and so 
when you watch, so watching LeBron last night, that's what I was trying to keep in mind is, okay, when he cuts to the basket and he doesn't get the pass, that doesn't mean he isn't he isn't good. Or if he does cut to the basket and he misses, okay, he missed there. But you know what? He's going to do something special. Yeah. He's going to do something special. And he does. You know, most nights he does. And that's, so for me, that's the part that's cool is seeing that when when he or someone else does something that no one else can at their it, in their sport at their game, it's that's for for me that's a really cool part. Who we, uh, who on the Jazz were giving you the warm and fuzzies out there though? You know, was uh, was it Favors? Was it Burke? Burks? You know, Hayward? Yeah. Is it looking at Tre- uh, Trevor Booker? Is just he looks like a madman. I mean, he's in yeah. the leader of the clubhouse for the guy I'm wanting to get in New Jersey with. But <laughs> did you uh, see anybody out there that was kind of making you you know uh, move the needle for you? Yeah, it, I I really thought Hayward looked really good. Um, he, he was shooting well. He was moving well. He was creating shots. Um, it, it was it was cool to see. I, I thought that he looked really good. Um, I Cantor, man, for that first quarter, Cantor looked awesome. He looks like, like a he, beast. He looked unstoppable. Yeah, and it was exciting because, and and we we were talking a little bit about it in the office today. Of you know, if the Jazz, if it, this all comes together the way the Jazz hope, it's really exciting. It's fun. Mm. People were were legitimately excited about the Jazz. Because they beat the team that's kind of considered, uh, that is definitely the considered one of the favorites, right? Because yeah. they have LeBron, and you, you take you have to kind of take out the fact that well maybe Cleveland's well, still coming together, you know, but don't diminish it. It's still a good win. It's still fun. Get yeah, excited. that's the part that was exciting. You know, and the thing that kind of irks me is against when they played the Clippers two days, ago, I guess three days ago mm-hmm. uh, before that, is that the storyline that was coming out from uh, the guys uh, Lamar Harrington and. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Big T, uh, throw Bailey on this was, was that uh, oh this is a great team. This is and I'm talking about the Jazz. I'm like this is a team that's finally coming together. You know, it's like they have a couple extra moves, maybe a couple extra players or a couple extra yeah. shots. They're going to be really a team of destiny to a certain extent. But there was too much. It was a lot of aw shucks with it as well, which is as when from a fan perspective, it's like I don't want aw shucks. I want right. I want big wins. I want stopping yeah. wins. And then for them to kind of lose a squeaker against the Clippers, watching uh, Blake Griffin kind of go off in the last. Uh, Blake Griffin and, and uh, Chris Paul going off on there. It was super nice watching Gordon single-handedly take that game under his hand. And, you know, and, and Quinn Snyder apparently said that Gordon said, I got the shot, I got the shot. It's like that's what you want in every facet of your life, you know, not just on the sports field. You want it in the business room, the boardroom, you know, just I got this, you know, and that's right. the kind of thing. And so looking at Gordon kind of – I'm getting the sense of like Gordon's growing up a little bit, you know, both filling into his body and also filling into that role as a leader. You know, it makes that big contract he got looks a little, little less, a little more deserving. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the thing about that is is when you look at that game last night, it went the way that the Jazz are scripting things. Like, all right, you won on a last second shot, and who took it? It's a guy that Your alpha you just, that you just re-signed for a whole lot of cash in the offseason and essentially said, all right, Gordon, man, you're the face of the franchise right now. Yeah, we've got Trey Burke, and Trey's gonna be Trey's coming up, but this is only a second year. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it isn't Trey's team yet. It, Dante Exum, great, great. You drafted him. He's a rookie. It's not his team yet. He's got like 62 minutes over five games. Yeah, so whose team is it? And the answer is it's Gordon. Yeah. I mean – and, and so, who's the guy that hits the game when you shot? 
the guy that you just paid and essentially said, you're our guy. Well, the, you're our guy. The criticism against Kobe was that, you know, he let other guys get their shots off, but in the fourth quarter, he would say, it was that the big dog must eat or the big dog, yeah. you know. It's like, I like the idea that uh, Utah can have one player, which will be, this is the big dog, you know, and we're yeah. going to, and, you know, at least stay out of Gordon's way. And just like uh, the movie Hoosiers, you know, where's it, Jimmy kind of circling mm-hmm. around the talk on yeah. that uh, picket fence. So you want to put the ball in your best player's hands when the game is on the line with two seconds left in there. Because frankly, the spirit, the spirit of watching it at home was not particularly good. Right. I kept expecting it to rim out. And when you watch that thing just float like a butterfly and drain, I mean, mm-hmm. the body language on uh, LeBron was classic, you know, because yeah. he got yeah. somehow he got tripped up. Right. Picks himself up. You see him watching the ball, and he doesn't watch it going. He starts walking out the tunnel yeah. because he knew that was over. Right. And, mm. and I mean, really, it was – I don't think you could script that win any better the way that it went down. Uh, you know, Derek Favors tied Gordon with 21 points for the team lead. Yeah. And had 10 rebounds, so a double-double. And he's the guy you're saying, all right, man, Derek, we need you to score some points. We need you to do the work down low. We need you to get rebounds. He did it, you know? And and then it's, Gordon, man, all right, look, when it comes down to it, the game's on the line, it's a tie game, you're our guy. You've got, Gordon, man, we need you to be the and guy psychologically, it's, on your... And psychologically, the you. bigger thing about it is, like, let's just say he misses that shot, then he holds all the responsibility for losing that. Like, he yeah. can... And he's the one that says, we'll get him next time, we'll brush it off, we'll move it on up. Who are they, who are they got next? I think it's Port- Dallas. Dallas, you yeah. know? Ugh, that's going to be <laughs> <laughs> details. Yeah, bring it into this stuff. Um, just we were. Uh, it's sort of uh, kind of uh, talking about uh, with. Uh, I'm sorry, with uh, LeBron James. Though it's like you ask about exciting players. It's uh, I saw him the first year that he came into the league, and mm-hmm. when he was playing at the old Delta Center, now the Energy Solutions, and it was the same thing where your eyes were just transfixed by him. Like you yeah. could not help but look at him. And the only two players that I've ever seen since watching LeBron up to that point has been uh, Westbrook and Kevin Durant. Yeah. Like when the uh, Thunder came to town, they were the most exciting players. When you're watching them, you couldn't believe they could cover the, uh, the court as fast as they did. Thank God we got a guy named Dante Exum on the team now that kind of mimics that speed. Yeah. Like yeah. I, 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 That guy runs like a gazelle, mm-hmm. you know, and great ball handling. I mean, uh, it's crazy to think. Do you remember what you were doing at 19? Because you certainly weren't doing it in front of a fan of 26,000 people screaming. I sure, certainly wasn't <laughs> running fast, I can tell you that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, it, it is, though. And, and you know, you, you mentioned that that speed and that uh, the power there. And and that's, in the NBA, I think that it's, it, for me, I, I've been, I've had the opportunity to be in locker rooms and be up close to these guys uh-huh. and to see how large they are. And it, it isn't it isn't just tall. I mean, these guys are just unbelievably well-built. And then you watch. And when, when you see someone who has that first or second step that is so quick, and they're able to get around another guy who's playing in the NBA and is, is a starter in the NBA, when, when you see, like, two guards going against each other, and one guy is that much faster. It's just unbelievable the speed that they go and how the, the their thought process to make that move. And that's something I, I've covered sports for a long time and in many different sports, not just basketball. Hockey, it's always fascinating to me too, is 
I, and, and I've asked athletes how they do it. How do you come up with these moves, man? Like, <coughs> I, you ask football players, and it's like, man, you, you ran for that touchdown, but the way that you did it is you juked that guy out of his shorts. How, like, how did you do that? And a lot of times they'll tell you, man, I don't know. Or, I was, like, with football, a lot of times they'll tell me, I wasn't looking at that guy. I was looking five yards down. And I'm like, what are you talking, like, how do you do that? It's got to be the Malcolm Gladwell on this one. You know, whether or not there's any validity to doing something for 10,000 hours. Like, you know, you start start at such a young age. I'm with you, though. It's like, specifically against the Clippers watching Blake Griffin. It's like, he can overpower you, much much like that running back going right over the top. The other thing about him is that he's got delicate footwork, you know, yeah. underneath the rim. It's kind of neat watching Favors play because he has that soft touch too, mm-hmm. you know. Like I yeah. don't think of him as being an overwhelmingly powerful player, but when you see him underneath the rim going for both offensive and defensive rebounds, he's got a really good touch where it's mm-hmm. like how does – it's more like when you talk about wide receivers making amazing catches. Like how do you get the ball to tack – the, the tactility of yeah. it sticking to your hand. How do you right. do that while you've got two other NBA qual you know NBA players batting at you? Yeah. You know I, it's unbelievable. Yeah. You know and um, yeah. that's the skill set. We were at I was at lunch today earlier today with Kyle Goon and uh, he was making fun of me because I got myself a dessert corn dog to go with my crown burger and fries and coke and stuff because it's basically a pastry. But uh, as he was making fun of me about this, I was saying like Kyle, you're a professional sports writer. You hang and. I'm not saying the Utes are a professional team, but these are uh, these are uh, high caliber athletes, yeah. and oh, yeah. they've been working for this goal probably since Pop Warner when they were about nine years old. And I w- and the question I say is like, look, when we're in a Crown Burger, yeah, people get dessert corn dogs, but <laughs> with the people that you work with and you cover and you look at, it's like who's the most unfit player that's on the University of Utah's football roster? And mm-hmm. he thought about it for a minute, like really kind of eyes rolled back, and he said probably one of the defensive linemen, and he would, didn't name a name because. Yeah. The reality is the chubbiest guy on the team might not be the chubbiest guy come game day because you're hitting yeah. the weights. I think these athletes, it's remarkable that they have such command of their bodies. Mm-hmm. They are, they've already been dealt a genetic hand that yeah. put them in a place that they can do it. But the fact that they can follow through with it is incredible to me. And then yeah. also the same side of coin, it's like when Carl Malone used to bitch, uh, complain about people showing up to camp out of shape, it's like, Carl Malone knew his body was his workplace. That yeah. was the yeah. that was the mill, the factory that got him those championships as well as uh, coming up second on the scoring titles. And it's, I think every game for 82 games, you know, that LeBron is, he needs to be as fit as he can. Everybody on both teams have to be yeah. there. And uh, I don't know, it's, ama- it's amazing. Let me ask you a question, though. For Just from what you saw in the first half of the game yesterday, did you think at all that on the road for 41 games, that's the biggest game for the other team when they're hosting the Cleveland Cavaliers? Yeah. And that, does, what do you think, what, do you, what kind of mindset do you think that is? Like, would that uh, motivate him to perform better, or do you think that would motivate, or is it just like you have an X on your back, this is how you live your life, moving on? I think I think you have to use this motivation, and and you're right. I, I mean, um, some college teams have talked about that, like like Duke. Every time that they go into a building, it's the biggest game. You know, the Duke basketball team that everyone hates. Duke. Yeah. Um, the New York Yankees. I mean, really, where where do they go where they aren't a big draw because people want to come see them? You know, and and so how do you? I, I think. I think I would try to use that as motivation uh, and, and almost make it like the underdog factor of, man, I'm going out to try to prove to you. Um, but the truth is, it, a lot of the people that, and, and I'm not saying 
most of, but there were a lot of people at ESA last night who went because they wanted to see LeBron James. They Going back, and, and I know I talked about it, but going back to that, seeing the best player, they wanted to see the best player. And quite honestly, a lot of times you want to see the best player fail. Oh, it, <laughs> that, that you want to go and you want to be there and you want to be able to tell your buddies, I was there when the Jazz held LeBron James to two points or four points. And, I was there when Barry Bonds struck 20. out three times in exactly. a game. Exactly. That's you know you want to be able to say, as a fan, as a fan of the other team, I saw my my favorite team shut down the best player. Yeah. And and so you get booed. And sure enough, first time LeBron James touches the ball, boo, boo, you know. <laughs> and I mean that, I, I that's got to at some point that has to kind of wear on you a little bit. I think now when you're home, everyone loves you, unless you're struggling, and then you get boo at home too, and you're like, come on. Well, that's that's a question I I really wanted to ask Falk and T- uh, Tony about. It's like, have you seen the commercial for Nike with LeBron? The, the Cleveland, like, hard work on three uh, yeah, together on yeah. six. What did you think about that? I, so what happens is when you get, I, I think, when you get a guy like LeBron, these all of a sudden there are just these massive expectations. And um, I, I think you were saying about how it didn't look like Cleveland was having fun. Oh, it's... Um, you know, it, there, there can be so much pressure to win that winning becomes the expectation, and so there's no adulation there. Mm. That the only emotion you feel is is almost anger and defeat, because the only time you feel anything is when you lose. Because there's that disappointment of having lost, because the expectations that you win. because the win is always expected, right. the loss right. is crushing disappointment. Right, and so then it's and I don't think it's as much in basketball because the season's so long. But when you get it like college football. One loss can essentially end your your title hopes. That's it, you know. It, it, it's, and it's changed a little bit with the the college football playoff system. But even still, you lose two games, you're not going to win the national title. It's, it's just not going to happen in in college football. It can't. So the NBA is a little bit different in that it's more spread out. Baseball is another one. Like, look, you know, essentially in. in in baseball, it's you know you're gonna lose sixty, you're gonna win sixty. It's what you do with uh, the other the, third, right? The uh, the the rest of the games that that really matters. Um, I mean, take the Marlins when they had that hundred was one hundred twenty one wins, like in two thousand five ish. We don't know for sure. Look it up. Tweet us at uh, at Trib Sports when you say we're a bunch of idiots. But <laughs> and then they lose in the first round of the playoffs. Yep. You know, it's like amazing, amazing regular season and the postseason and translate. Uh, yep. Back to the commercial, though. Uh, they lost their home opener, the Cavs against the Knicks. And I remember watching it because it was the ESPN game of the night and stuff. And you watch the commercial, and there's a lot of them. It's emotional. You know, mm-hmm. as a guy who's yeah. been to Cleveland, my father used to live in Cleveland for a couple of years. And you toured the town, checked out the Jake, even saw a game uh, at the, the – it's not the Quicken Loan Center. Where yeah. it was before the Quicken Loan Center. Right. But I remember watching the game there, and – you see them all huddle up there, hands on back, and then you know LeBron kind of reminding everybody that the game is not just for this team; it's for the city, and and you know as he would say, it's for Cleveland and it's for the Midwest and stuff like that. And if you watch it, it progressively gets you know it, it, it crescendos. It's mm. more of emotion. It's like you're playing with the weight of a city on your back, and yeah. I think it's weird is that 
I think there's a huge chasm between taking a team on your shoulders and taking a community on your shoulders. Mm -hmm. And I like the spirit of the video, but I just, there was a moment where it's like, come on, man. (laughs) It's a baseball, I mean, sorry, it's a basketball game. And you're great. And, you know, and and Cleveland does deserve better, you know. And what I mean deserve better, I mean, yes, they should have less crime, poverty, better housing, a better economy. But, you know, the fact that uh, you have a, you know, a a fair to Midland basketball team should be barely enough. (laughs) Uh, the, you know, the tribulation they gave for Derek Jeter with the respect one, with the lifting mm-hmm. of the cap, that was spot on, you yeah. know. And, yeah. you know, even with the mocking with the Red Sox fans begrudgingly tipping their cap and yeah. kind of just summarizing what this guy meant to a community. Um, mm-hmm. I've talked to people from New York, and I always ask the question, it's like, what did Derek Jeter mean to you during the course of the summer? And without a doubt, the first response was always, he's the captain. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. that should be enough for you. Like, right. he was the face of this organization, a very winning organization, that they've, they've poured their heart, and, their heart and soul and love into. Yeah. And I kind of resented LeBron trying to capture that, mm-hmm. in that same spirit, like, you know, after the big decision – you know, I don't say he didn't abandon him. He left for the money. He went for the championships. Yeah. He did what he wanted to do. He did a selfish move for himself that worked out. Maybe now he's trying to make amends. But that video, my goodness, you want to talk about having an arrow on your, I mean, yeah. a bullseye on your back. I would love to see the Salt Lake equivalent of that. Yeah. I'd love to see I, Hayward <laughs> circling him up. And then the bear jumps in, you know, like, come on, dog. We're going to do this for Salt Lake. Come on, dog. And then, you know, yeah. people piling out of the, you know, Temple Square and Galvin Plaza and, Hands over each other by crown burgers, <laughs> and we have you know image shots of the you know Arches National Park, right, and like we're right. in like, Salt Lake on three, hard work on six, one two three, you know like yeah. I would like to see that. Thing is, I think the Millers have a little sense of propriety on this one. I, w- I would <laughs> hope so. I, well, but that's the type of thing where those expectations, I I really do think it becomes an issue and mm. it creates pressure. I mean. Benny, you know I'm a Cubs fan. Huge. And and I love my Cubs, but there there comes a point when you haven't won the World Series since 1908, there's pressure there. And when you get close to it, there's a lot of pressure. Now, Well, let's transition a little bit off this because we have a couple other things we want to yeah. talk about. Uh, we were teasing each other last week or the week before that about Joe Madden. Right. Kind of like the idea is like we're going to get in such good shape that we look like Madden when he's, you know, when we're 53, we can look like that, Madden. That's our goal. Yeah, it's our right. goal. You know, right. he's our he's our male model. He's the, yes. uh, the the manager that we tape behind the locker. So when we hit the weights, we can try and look like him. Yes. But for a guy like Madden, who did a, you know, by all accounts, a magnificent job with Tampa Bay. Yeah. And, you know, you got Theo already in the upstairs in management with this one. I mean, it's, it's kind of like with LeBron. It's like he can only, there's, I don't, I don't, I don't think there's, short of a World Series ring, I think he's kind of doomed. Uh, yeah. what, do you, what would you, if uh, as a Cubs fan now, what would you say the best thing that could happen to Madden right now? Well, see, Something as simple as just a divisional title, maybe even making the postseason. No, I, or is it bigger than that? Like they have to is. win. They have to win the NL. It, you you take that job. Uh, the Cubs haven't even been to the World Series since 1945. Mm. That's the last time that they were at the World Series. Now, they they were less than two innings away from it in 2003. And uh, Bartman thing. Yeah. Um, but you take that job. You take the Cubs job uh, for the money. Uh, that's part of it. But you know what? It's more than that. You want to be the guy who brings a title to Chicago. You want it to the Cubs. You want to be that guy. You know, Terry Francona did it with the Red Sox. And the way that he exited with the Red Sox wasn't very good. It was poor. It, 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 was, it ugly. Would be poli- yeah. it, it was It was ugly. 
But if I'm a Red Sox fan, I will always remember Terry Francona bringing the title. And you want to be that guy. Yeah. That's why you take that job. You take that challenge. The problem is that you have to have the makeup to be able to deal with the pressure that comes with it because the Cubs have a ton of prospects. And they're, they're talking about going out and they're, gonna, they're talking about spending a lot of money on, on free agent pitching. Well, okay, when you put that together with a ton of uh, prospect hitting prospects, now the expectations rise. And you have to have that special personality. And I, I really think it does take a special personality to be able to take the pressure off your players, to deflect that pressure, and be able to handle it as you get good, mm-hmm. as, as the possibility of winning that title becomes more and more of a reality. Now... Terry Francona did it with the Red Sox. Absolutely, there was talent there. I'm not. You have to have talent. No, there was. But th- you have to be able to manage that talent too, to the point of, because that expectation, what you're talking about with LeBron, of take it, you know, taking Cleveland, putting them on your shoulders, and bringing Cleveland that title that you feel like they deserve and that they want. It's the same kind of with the Cubs. Is that you want? You have to figure out how to put that team on your shoulders. And how to carry them to that process. So it, to translate this a, minute, a little bit closer to home with, like, say, with Quinn Snyder, it's like when you're looking at a uh, 25-man roster during the regular season for uh, Madden, it's like, does he baby certain players? Does he bully other players? Does he father some players? Is he stern uncle? Is he the bro, you know, guy do bro, number yeah. two? With, I mean, so he puts he puts together his best nine players, but... But I'm always curious about, at the end of the day, baseball is a very simple game to me, which is why I like it. It's about good pitching and good hitting, you know. And if you don't have the pitchers and the hitters to do this, then, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of relationship you build with these guys. Yeah, I, I think I think you it's all that. I think you have to be that to – I think in sports today, you, you have to know who you have to do each of those things to, who you have to baby, and when. And sometimes you baby them, sometimes you bully them. And I think – the, the Cubs situation and the Jazz situation are different. Both, obviously, both teams want to win a title. And both have really smart, in my opinion, really smart guys um, in the GM role who have a plan. And I think a guy like Quinn Snyder says, all right, Dennis Lindsay has a plan. He, he, it's a plan that he's had for a couple of years, and he's carrying it out. And now as a GM, you have to have confidence, and you have to be able to Basically, I think you have to tune everything else out and you have to say, all right, I have total confidence that my plan is going to work. It is going to work. And then what you do is you just, no matter what happens, you, and you just keep the blinders on and you keep true to that, to your plan. And you say, all right, it's a small market team. All right, you know, there, there is concern about, well, should we bring Gordon back or shouldn't we? Should, should we spend that mm-hmm. money or not? Is he part of the plan or not? If he isn't part of the plan, you have to be okay with getting ripped in the media and you have to be okay with all the backlash from fans telling you, man, what are you thinking? You Gordon's our man. Why did you let him go? Or you say, all right, Gordon's our guy. He's part of the plan. He fits into my plan, and I'm going to bring him back. And then there's a the backlash of, well, you spend an awful lot of money for one guy who hasn't always lived up to expectations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you just have to have that confidence and stick with it because you, in the NBA, in a market like Utah, you don't have the money to buy your way out of it. Now, the Yankees, uh, Yankees in baseball, there's no salary cap. They they can kind of afford to buy their way out of some mistakes. Clippers right now in the NBA. Well, that's the thing is is that you 
so I think when you're in that role, you and you just have to believe my system is going to work. Well, it's, I think there's a lot of parallels between that and just running a small business. You know, I mean, you, I learned from what I do at the bar and yeah. stuff like that. Is yeah. that the answer is to fall into two categories: yes, no, and never maybe. And right. may, when you hear maybes, that's when you have division between the ranks. Is when they think maybe he doesn't know which way it's going. Right. It's like Rick right. and the Walking Dead. Like we're heading over that hill because I think there's supplies yeah. in that old church, and we're going to yeah. eat it, and we'll kill the zombies along the way and stuff like that. But I don't know. It's it's crazy when you talk about the plan is that as much as it is like everyone has to buy into it, at the end of the day, it really does come down to the execution. And what's yeah. frustrating more to fans is maybe even to reporters who are trying to craft stories as they're covering these games is like, why did player X, you know, fail to not do what was part of our plan? Like, right. why do right. we have a rogue gun there? You know, like yeah. what instead of Gordon taking the last shot, it was uh, Burks, you know, right. like he decided right. he was going to throw one up at the buzzer, you right. know. And I don't know. I think it's uh, interesting. I I worry for America. I'm going to make this a bigger sense on this one. I really do struggle with the idea of the Cubs winning a World Series. Like, I kind of like this perennial loser team. And I know this might, you know, I'm I'm throwing daggers right into your heart and you're less than three feet away from me. But, you know, like, if for some reason the Cubs did win one miraculously in 2015, who would be the next big dog? And Not not big dog like Gordon Haywood, but we're talking uh, the big mutt in baseball. Here's the thing. I have a plan. Oh, you have a plan? My wife, Jeannie, I have discussed the plan with her. Um, she says she's okay with it because I don't think she thinks it will happen. <laughs> um, but it, like in 2007, 2008, when the Cubs actually made the playoffs, my plan, I was in Missouri at the time, I was going to take a week off. I was going to drive to Chicago, and I was going to stand on a street corner and just yell the entire time. Mm. And she's like, what do you... What, who are you going to yell at? I said, I don't care. <laughs> I'm just going to yell. Um, I, 2003. And for those of you who don't know Camo, he's not a huge yeller. No, I, I'm really not. Um, it'd be beyond, it would be beyond out of character. I, I, yeah. I don't even know what street corner. It'd just be a street corner and I'd be yelling. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, I, I can only, man, I have bad luck with sports teams, mm-hmm. quite honestly. I really do. Um, I'm a Bills fan. Mm-hmm. So I've been close to the promised land the four Four, years in a row. Um, There was wide right. um, That one hurt. Wide right. The Redskins just blew. Then the Redskins just pounded them. Then the Cowboys two years in a row just pounded them. Um, So I never got to experience the the joy of that. Um, Admittedly, I'm a... In hockey, I'm a New Jersey Devils fan. Mm -hmm. So that's the one sport where my team actually has won the title. Man, it's awesome. It's so cool. But my number one love is Cubs. And, and since 1984, I've been, I've, I've loved the Cubs. Why I didn't, you know, I jumped on the Cubs bandwagon in 84. Um, and it's Ryan I, Sandberg. Well, yeah, but I should have jumped off in 85 when they just stunk. Like, I was still young <laughs> enough where it would have been acceptable, socially acceptable for me to jump off, but I didn't. I can't imagine, I like, I really can't imagine the emotions that would come with the Cubs winning the World Series. I, I, I was in Chicago, um, when in in '98 when they won the one game playoff uh-huh. with the Giants to make the playoffs. Yeah. And I mean, it, the city was there was just an energy and an excitement there that was unbelievable. I can't imagine that. If they won it, Chicago. I I, I was I was. It's funny because I was talking to. Um, 
my, uh, to Jeannie about this. Uh, and uh, before Game 7 of the World Series uh, this year between the Giants and the Royals, they were talking about tickets were going uh, for Game 7. For, uh, you could get in for about $500 for standing room only. And I told Jeannie, I go, who in their right mind would sell a ticket to Game 7 of the World Series? I said, it just didn't make sense. And, and Somebody said, needing well, a truck payment. What's that? Somebody needing a truck payment. Well, what Jeannie <laughs> said is, Kevin, it probably wasn't a fan. It was probably a broker. I said, well, fair enough. Mm. I, I, would, I would pay more than $1,000 to go to Game 7 at Wrigley Field of the World Series. And I, I'm very confident that wouldn't get that would not be enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I would probably pay a significant amount of money to fly to Chicago and be at a bar. Yeah, just, just at the, to be at the Cubby Bear across right. the street. Oh my goodness! And then show up, you know, right. show, camp out at three in the morning to get into the Cubby Bear for Game yes. Seven, and then go out. Yeah. <laughs> if they were to win, and then you go out into the street and you just stand in. The well, street, you know, yeah. and the last time, and when the Cubs win, the last time Chicago burns like that is when uh, was Miss Bessie's cow yes. kicked over a torch. Yeah. Uh, Mrs. O'Neill. Mrs. O'Neill. Mrs. O'Leary. Mrs. O'Leary. O'Leary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so who would be next? I'm, I mean, because I don't like the idea that some teams are destined for it. Like, oh, it's their turn. Like, oh, right. you know, like the Rays. Poor Rays haven't won it ever, or the Padres, or it, Pirates haven't won in decades right. and decades. You know, and the Nationals are such a good upstart team. They deserve. I think it's. I think it's the fact that I think the Cubs represent the American sports fan better than any other team. You yeah. know, it's like we're all one out away from getting in there. We're all yeah. you know one hit. You know, and yeah. it's a. It's very, very romantic, and I think part of it is, like, I don't know how much longer I'm going to live, but I like the idea of having one team that kind of encapsulates the spirit of the, of the sports fan, yeah. you know? And, and when you look at, you know, during summer months when the height of baseball season, even here in Salt Lake City, you walk around look at ball caps mm-hmm. with a bullet, it's always going to be the Red Sox until yeah. you start seeing the better teams. Like, I can't tell you how many new uh, Royals caps I've seen. Oh, and, right. and right. Look, I'm sure the Mormon pioneers eventually did go through Missouri. Oh, they got kicked out of Missouri, yeah, you know. It but didn't go well. Though. It didn't go well in Missouri. Yeah. But uh, we'll pick up Cap because, you know, my great-great-grandfather was from Missouri. Right. You know, I, I, and I totally buy into those connections, too. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's it, it, how rewarding would a Brewers win be? I think it would be great for the city of Milwaukee and uh, Wisconsin. But at the end of the day, it's... It, it, well, I, I lived I, in Wisconsin. And yeah. Wisconsin is, mm-hmm. yeah, the Brewers are fine. They're just something to keep your mind off of the Packers. Yeah, and, and the Packers have won a title. You know, they've won Super Bowls recently. So yeah. I, I don't, I don't even, I, I don't know. I, I'm biased because I'm a Bills fan. It might be the Bills. Bills like, would be if, nice. If you go, if you go down to the big, the big four. Because you need to reverse a curse to a well, certain. That's the thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there there has to be a long history of suffering fans, and Cleveland I mean, Browns then. Maybe the Browns. I mean, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, uh, you know, the Canadians. Canadians. Um, but even those, t- I mean, uh, well, those two are Canadian, and we and you said American, so. Yeah. And I so here, I mean, this is the craziest thing is that I'd like to really offer the Utah Jazz. <laughs> yeah. I think a Jazz yeah. victory because uh, when they were playing against the Lakers in the Western Conference Championship, I think it's got to be about seven, eight years ago. Uh, 2008, 2007, or something like that. I mean, it was wonderful to be living in a town where if you're getting a cup of coffee, going to a bookstore, grocery shopping, hitting a restaurant, it was jazz fever. Like, the yeah. towns have a really good way of growing behind organically. And to kind of tie yeah. this back to the LeBron thing, it's like they're forcing 
that emotion that Kansas City was yeah. just organically built with Ned Yowis building his taking his right. team as far as they did. It's like he already wants to ticker tape parade, where, you know, and then they come out of the gate and get stomped by the Knicks. You know, right. they lose to this uh, little upcoming team here in the, the Wasatch Valley called the Utah Jazz. Right. You know, like it's um. It's weird that you talk about, like, the zeitgeist of a community, and it's like, I think Salt Lake would be just a willing uh, acceptance of that. And I think the fans here can get behind it. Oh, I think so. That's the other thing about it, too. And I think you saw a little bit, uh, I I think you saw saw a little bit of it today. Like, there was was pride about the jazz today. Like, people people were legitimately excited about the jazz today Mm -hmm. because they'd beaten LeBron. And, and, And so if that starts to build and that, and... They start to become, and they start to look like a playoff contender. Oh yeah, man! People are going to be so. Uh, then you're going to see the jazz hats. You're going to see the jazz jerseys. And when you go into the different places, you're going to hear the excitement of people talking about, "Hey, man, the games tonight, man. They they look really good. Gordon is, you know." And yeah, and more important than that, because if it's a TV, social media network, uh, social media world that we live in, it's like when you put together that sizzle reel as yeah. they're making that push for the postseason yeah. run. It's like, hey, would that you're going to see that shot. Over and over yes. and over again, and yes. LeBron's shoulders sinking down. Yes. You know, just like Gordon was on third during the the, the World Series, where he knew the game was over. Yes. You know, and I think that's what you need. And also, you want to talk about the heartache, the whole thing with uh, B. Russell getting juked by Michael Jordan in the championship game, and mm-hmm. then you know him winning the him winning it uh, against the Jazz. It's like we're kind of a long suffering team, you yeah. know. And Th- there is a history. There, and you yeah. need we we do have almost like a score to settle with yes. both ourselves as well as with the league. And also, it'd be nice to be have one on the win column, the big championship one, yeah. where you go into Energy Solutions, you know, the old Salt Palace or the new Salt Palace, where you see the championship trophy and you go, oh. All right, my town. Yes, yes, you know, like yes. one, two, three together, three, four, five. You know, hard work. Where <laughs> you know, LeBron said it. Hey, you know what really irritated me most about the commercials? I've been in a lot of huddles, you know, before sporting events. Yeah. We've always been one, two, three something. It's never one, two, three, right. four, five. Way too much words to remember. No, right? Yeah. <laughs> like you can't do that. I'm just. It, it's so uncomfortable, anyways, because you. you in that situation, you're trying to get your hand in far enough. Far but enough. But you really can't because the guy next to you is kind of hogging your spot. And you don't know and if you're you're like, dude, come on, just one, two, three, let's get out of this. And the other thing is that I don't know if I'm supposed to go down on the high yes. five or up on the high five, you know. And, right. And, and, I, and if you go the wrong way, you look silly. You look, you look ridiculous. You do. Ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. We're at the 41-minute mark here, and um, that was pretty quick. Whoa. Yeah, that's, a, that's really good. This is what we call good pot. Uh, just really quickly, all the information that we're covering today, which would be well, actually none of the information that we're covering today, but the previously mentioned reporters that work for the Salt Lake Tribune can be found at sltrib.com. Uh, all of their uh, Twitter accounts can be easily found. You know, just go through Kamarani, Jones, Falk, Piper, Goon. Who are we missing? Duh. I don't even throw out to Steve Loom, Tom Morton. Sure. Yeah, yeah, good guys. Good guys. Sure. But um, uh, and obviously we also have a, uh, a Twitter account for the podcast at Trib Sports Radio. Please, the, the show's not stale, but we do wouldn't mind a couple of emails to answer, you yeah. know, or a couple of questions. So right. just go. I, actually, it's interesting, Benny. We we did get a, uh, a question in the mailbag from Jerry <laughs> from uh, East Magna. East Magna. Yeah. And uh, I didn't know that there was an East and West Magna, but apparently there is. Jerry from East Magna says, uh, would like to know what you think of the Bees' chances next season. That's a very 
Jerry from uh, North Magna? East. Magna. East Magna. Yeah, don't, uh, no. <laughs> the people from East Magna don't like the people from North Magna. It, it's it's not a good situation. Uh, I, as a, I've covered the bees a couple of times this year and went to a handful of games. Uh, I think what the biggest problem the Salt Lake Bees has with, for the player development, which benefits the players who are actually here in Salt Lake City, is that because the Angels roster looks really, really strong throughout the outfield with their pitching staff and uh, – Take a guy like Navarro, who has been, uh, and I mean toiling, I mean that with absolute respect to Navarro. He, I think he's been playing here in Salt Lake City for nine seasons, is that it's hard to get a lot of call-ups to a really good franchise. And so, so the Bs always look really good because we have top-tier talent that's waiting for a chance to go up there. And so in the process, uh, between a really good rotation, good starting pitchers, and you know all-around utility players, is that you know the Bs are always going to be marching towards a PCL title. On the bees will, however, have a new manager next year. Oh. Announced that Keith Johnson will not be back. He's been reassigned in the organization, uh, so it'll be interesting to see. But where, uh, where'd he go? Uh, he's been reassigned in the organization. Does that mean he's going? Oh boy! So uh, Ho- hopefully, step up, not step down. You know, I, I he was always really cool. Mm. I, I I only covered a couple of games, but I mean, he he really he had a pretty good con like grasp on what he was trying to do what and kind of understood his role in it you know whether it was trying to um kind of mentor prospects or to try to help the um you know a veteran who was trying to get back to the big show it, he just had a really good grasp on stuff i i, I really liked i think what, what i like what i like keith too is that you know i think he understood what deadlines were for the reporters and he yeah. knew, and he knew that it's uh with a sport that it should get i think the attendance is decent but i don't think the uh, the readership for the particular stories is particularly long is that he'd go down there give really good answers concise he would work with the reporters and uh kind of summarize the game and almost help direct the story not like Direct, to, you're not trying to control the message, but rather say like, "Hey, so and so in the third did a really good job," and then he would, you know, kind of bring light to things that we might have yeah. seen earlier in the game. Um, respected your time and just yeah. a, a genial fellow, yeah. you know. And uh, I don't know, I think he was a good ambassador for Salt Lake City and definitely, yeah. definitely good for the ball or uh, the organization. He, uh, according to MLB.com, he's been given the role as roving infield coordinator. Uh, yeah, I mean his for son. The, his son played football at East. His son was uh, Corey, Corey Rush. Was uh, Corey Rush is a cool kid? Incredible uh, defensive lineman at uh, East High School. Do you know where he went? Um, well, I can tell you very. Please quick. do. Where did he go? He signed with the University of Nevada Reno. Is that a good school? It's a fantastic school. Yeah. Oddly enough, uh, one of the two losses that the uh, Utes have suffered has been at the hand of Washington State, a comp team that Nevada handled thoroughly, forty-five thirty-eight, and. Uh, Lawler, not Lawler events, so that's the basketball arena. Uh, Mackey Stadium. Ooh, almost lost my alumni card there. No, I, I'd say... Um, Seriously, they're going to kick you out of the alumni association. I haven't, I haven't paid dues in years. <laughs> it was funny. I, was, uh, I actually ran into Corey when I was covering tennis last year, and his arm was in a sling, and uh, he came up and started chatting me up a little bit, and then I asked what happened to his injury and s- said something about, uh, like, whatever, whatever on right. that. And um, he goes, uh, where are you going to school? Uh, where did you sign? Because there was talk of him. If I'm not mistaken, he was looking at Arizona State. Arizona State. Yeah. I think it was Arizona State. It wasn't Colorado one of the other? I know. He committed to Arizona State. Okay. And Arizona State kind of it got uh, wonky. backed off. Yeah. yeah. But he, the un, the ugly underbelly of college recruiting. Uh, but uh, he told me he was going to Nevada. And, I, you know, obviously my eyes lit up. And I told him, you're going to have the best four years of your life. Ever. Always a, appreciate Wolfpack Nation, you know, but. 
a wolf pack nation. Is that a, a, really? Are you a nation yet? Not yet. Seem like more it's a, a regional power. Yeah. It's, it's a regional local power. Yeah. You know, definitely the best team in northern Nevada. Indisputable. He cannot argue with the fact. The Harvard of the West. Easy there. But... The uh, anyway, so sltrip.com. Uh, this is Kevin Winter Morris. You can follow him at, at kwinmo, K W I N M O. I'm Benny Raskin at Benny Raskin, and anything else you want to do. But uh, throw us out emails. Thanks to Jerry from East Magna. We we look forward, Jerry, to hearing from you. <laughs> yeah. back from you. Th- thanks for the thanks for the letter. Awesome. And uh, we'll be back next week. We'll have some of the boys in from the the jazz uh, the jazz beat as well as the Ute beat. We'll get Piper or Kyle in here to talk about what happens against Oregon. Uh, thanks for listening. Take care. For Tribune Sports Radio, this is Ben Raskin. Our weekly podcast is recorded every Tuesday. Subscribe to the show on iTunes at Trip Sports Radio. And while you're there, please rate the show and give us some comments to help improve the podcast. All of our reporters' work can be found at sltrib.com. Please follow us on Twitter at Trip Sports Radio. Tweet us questions and the fellows will be happy to answer them. Or if you feel like writing an email, send it to Tribune Sports Radio, all one word, at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.